Hi everyone, and welcome to the third segment of Seeking Serenity, our four-part series on 12-step spirituality. I'm with the Daughters of St. Paul, but in keeping with the tradition of anonymity in Alcoholics Anonymous, Overeaters Anonymous, and other 12-step groups, I'll not be identifying myself. Last time, we reflected on the topic of surrender, that ability that only comes with continued practice of letting go and letting God. While the idea of surrender can seem to mean giving up, in 12-step thought, it's actually an active way that we entrust ourselves into hands that are much more capable than our own, namely God's loving hands. When talking about surrender, we looked at St. Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, to help us pray with surrender and the seeking only of God's will for our lives. If you didn't get a chance to experience the first two reflections of our series on powerlessness and surrender, the links for both are below. Before we get into our reflection for today, I once again say that these thoughts are my own and do not represent any 12-step group or the Daughters of St. Paul. So let's take a moment now to get our minds and hearts into a calm space that will enable us to open up to whatever God has in store for us through our reflection today. I invite you to close your eyes for a moment. Slow down your thinking and let all the thoughts running around in your head be put on the back burner for now. Take a deep breath in slowly. Hold it for a moment and then let it out slowly. Entrust your worries and cares to our loving God. If you wish, join me in praying the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Thank you so much for being here with us as we reflect on the topic of humility. What does humility mean to you? Have you ever struggled with humility? Maybe you've felt humiliated at times and equate humiliation with the virtue of humility and want nothing to do with it. Whatever your understanding or experience with humility, I pray that you'll find something, even just a little kernel in our reflection today, that will help you in seeking serenity in your everyday life. Like powerlessness and surrender, humility isn't a virtue that is easily put into practice. In fact, I actually had a lot of difficulty even beginning the process of writing this reflection to share with you. I looked at the first two, powerlessness and surrender, and felt like I had really grown in both since coming to Overeaters Anonymous and working my way through the 12 steps, through the grace of God, of course. But humility? I feel like I have so far to go with humility that I was afraid to even think that I could possibly offer you some thoughts about it. But I'm going to do my best, speaking only from my experience and struggle with humility. I started by looking up some quotes about humility, and here's what I found. Albert Einstein, a true genius admits that he or she knows nothing. Winston Churchill, the greatest lesson in life is to know that even fools are right sometimes. C.S. Lewis, as long as you are proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. And Rick Warren, Baptist pastor and author of The Purpose Driven Life, says, True humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. 
Okay, those are fine quotes on humility, but I wanted a 12-step perspective. So I went to the book, The 12 Steps and 12 Traditions of Alcoholics Anonymous. It's otherwise known as the AA 12 and 12. It's Bill W.'s commentary on the steps, expanding on what the big book says. It says that basically, humility is essential for working all of the steps. So for someone in recovery, but also for anyone trying to live their life to the fullest, humility is needed. So here's what the book says about humility on page 70, and I quote, Indeed, the attainment of greater humility is the foundation principle of each of AA's 12 steps. For without some degree of humility, no alcoholic can stay sober at all. Nearly all AAs have found, too, that unless they develop much more of this precious quality than may be required just for sobriety, they still haven't much chance of becoming truly happy. Without it, they cannot live to much useful purpose or in adversity be able to summon the faith that can meet any emergency. End quote. Why is it that addicts or anyone really can't be truly happy without some degree of humility? I think it's because without a sense of humility, we'll always be frustrated. We'll always be looking for something more than what we already have. And we'll always be tiring ourselves out, trying to be the best at everything, thinking that that's what we need in order to be successful and fulfilled as people. But is that what will truly make us happy? No, it's not. We followers of Christ know that worldly success isn't the be-all and end-all. In Catholic circles, when there is talk of humility, we usually quote St. Teresa of Avila. And she said simply, humility is truth. Humility is becoming aware of and accepting the truth of who we are. So in practical terms, what does that mean? When I was growing up, being humble basically meant not taking credit for anything you did. It was not seeking praise or recognition. Of course, that's still true. But as I was learning about humility, to me, that meant that when I was complimented, I was supposed to be humble and not take credit. It took me a while to understand that I could be proud of what I accomplished, in a good way, of course. If, as St. Teresa of Avila says, humility is truth, then I acknowledge the truth that God gave me certain talents, and by using those talents, I give God glory. Here's an example. One of the talents God gave me is that I have a nice singing voice. I definitely won't be the next lead for The Phantom of the Opera on Broadway, but I can carry a tune. I've experienced being at Mass and singing along with the hymns, only to have the person in front of me when Mass was over turn around and say, Sister, you have a beautiful voice. It used to really embarrass me because I was supposed to be humble, right? So in a sort of self-deprecating way, I would kind of bow my head, brush off the compliment and say, oh, oh, well, you know, it's, it's all God's gift. And that's technically true. It is God's gift. But a friend of mine once called me out to say, you know what, it's okay to say thank you when someone compliments you because by doing that, you're acknowledging God's gift to you. If humility is truth, then I can say thank you when someone compliments my singing. At the same time, I accept the truth of who I am and who I'm not. I'm not in the same league as, say, Carrie Underwood or Celine Dion or my all-time favorite female singer, Karen Carpenter. When I think about humility in the 12-step sense, it's no different. 
Humility is becoming aware of and accepting the truth of who we are. So I think you can see why humility would be such a foundational virtue for people in recovery and people trying to live the spiritual life in general. Humility is being able to say the truth about myself. For me, that means I'm a food addict. If you're in a 12-step group or have seen meetings portrayed in movies or TV, you know that when someone speaks at a meeting, they usually begin by introducing themselves. They say, hi, I'm Jack and I'm an alcoholic, or hi, I'm Debbie and I'm a compulsive overeater. We humbly acknowledge the truth about ourselves, that we are addicts. Making this admission is anything but easy though. When I first entered treatment for my addiction, it took me a while to own that I was a compulsive overeater. I thought I just really liked food or that I was an emotional eater. Those things seemed to be easier to accept about myself than being a food addict. I struggled against saying, hi, I'm a compulsive overeater for a long time before I finally accepted the truth of who I was as a food addict. The flip side of accepting the truth of who we are is knowing the truth of who we are not. Most importantly, that we are not God. Now, on one level, that's really obvious. We know that we're human, but so often we can act like we're God. We act like we're God when we judge other people or when we relentlessly aim at perfection, which we can never attain. We act like we're God when we think we have all the answers, but we don't. We act like we're God when we strive to be always in control, only to be frustrated again and again when we encounter all those things and people outside of our control. On the other hand, when we accept the truth about ourselves, our God-given goodness, as well as our imperfections, our faults, our sin, when we realize that we can't fix our problems all by ourselves, when we figure out that we're insignificant in the grand scheme of things, then it becomes more apparent to us that we are not God. I think this is what Venerable Mother Tecla Merlo, the very first daughter of St. Paul, meant when she wrote about humility. She said, God is great, immense, eternal. He created everything. He is everything. I am like dust on the road, nothing. We need to become small, very small. Let us bow our heads before the child in the manger. He who was in the form of God was willing to take the form of a slave. Let us learn from Jesus how to be small. Now, being small might sound like the kind of humility I was taught as a child, that self-deprecation is the way to go. But I don't think that's what Mother Tecla was talking about. I believe she was simply acknowledging that God is God and we are not. Now, this reminds me of Job in the Old Testament. Do you remember his story? He was a God-fearing man, but he experienced a number of pretty spectacular disasters. And last of all, his health was taken away from him. Everyone around him expected him to blame God, but the scripture says that he never said anything against God. Finally, frustrated with the whole thing, he questions God's intentions and why he, Job, should suffer like he was. 
It all seemed to Job like God was being unjust. Well, God answers Job by putting things into perspective for him. God articulates a long list of God's accomplishments from being the creator of all living things to being the one who watches over all that he has created for their own good. When God finishes his rant, Job submits in humility. He says, Behold, I am of small account. What shall I answer? I lay my hand on my mouth. And after this encounter, Job has a better sense of who he is and who he's not. He is not God. And God, in his wisdom, knows way better than Job does what is good for him. This actually came up one day recently in a conversation I had with my dad. He was in the hospital for a few days not long ago, and he asked me to pray for a specific outcome to his medical difficulties. And I said, Dad, sure, I'll pray for that. But I'll also pray that if that's not what God wills, that God will give you the grace to accept whatever he does will. So to me, that's what humility is all about. Acceptance that God knows better than we do what's best for us. But humility has another side. Let's go back to one of those quotes on humility that I mentioned at the beginning, the one from Reverend Warren. True humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. This goes right along with what St. Paul says about humility in a letter to the Philippians. In chapter 2, verses 3 to 5, Paul encourages his readers to follow the example of the humble Jesus. He says, Do nothing out of selfishness or a desire to boast. Instead, in a spirit of humility toward one another, regard others as better than yourselves. Each of you should look out for the rights of others rather than looking after your own rights. Have the same outlook among you that Christ Jesus had. Then Paul goes into that wonderful hymn about the humility of Jesus, saying that Jesus humbled himself and became obedient even unto death, death on a cross. I'll put the citation for the whole scripture passage in the accompanying PDF because you may want to spend some time of quiet prayer with this passage, listening to how God is inviting you to a greater humility through imitation of Jesus. I had to listen to one of God's invitations to greater humility not too long ago. In the course of my ministry, I was helping teach a class and received some very scathing feedback from a participant who took offense at an example I used. This person even suggested that my colleague and I were leading people away from God instead of to God. When I read the email, I felt so humiliated and hurt. I went to the chapel and I asked God to help me be humble in the face of this stinging criticism. I let myself feel the hurt that those words had caused. I I cried a little bit, and then I asked God to help me accept that not everyone is going to be open to hearing what I have to say, and that that's okay. When I shared that story with a friend of mine who's in AA, she said that she heard about a plaque that used to sit on Dr. Bob's desk with a reflection on humility. Now, Dr. Bob is the co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous together with Bill W. And here's what the plaque read. Humility is perpetual quietness of heart. It is to have no trouble. It is never to be fretted or vexed, irritable or sore to wonder at nothing that is done to me, 
to feel nothing done against me. It is to be at rest when nobody praises me. And when I am blamed or despised, it is to have a blessed home within myself where I can go in and shut the door and kneel to my father in secret and be at peace as in a deep sea of calmness when all around and about is seeming trouble. I was so grateful that she shared this with me and I've included it in the PDF so you can reflect on it further if you wish. When I looked up the quote online and read it, I felt like God was inviting me to a deeper humility so that when I am blamed or despised or criticized, I could have a blessed home within myself where I can go in and shut the door and kneel to my father in secret and be at peace. Truly, Dr. Bob's description of humility is something that I want to strive for, and I'd invite you to spend some time thinking about it as well. The good Lord knows I have a long way to go in regard to humility, but with every small opportunity God gives me to be humble, the virtue grows a little bit more in me through God's grace. I'm sure that God will gift you with little opportunities to grow in humility as well, just in the course of your normal daily life. It is humbling to realize that despite our shortcomings that make it hard for us to be humble, among other things, that God loves each one of us, you and me, exactly as we are, even as he desires that we grow closer to him each and every day. So let's take some time today or tomorrow to slow down and savor the truth of our own goodness, a gift which comes from our loving God. In humility, we can be nothing but grateful for God's immense love. As we come to the end of this reflection on humility, I'd like to invite you to follow up by taking some time in quiet prayer to contemplate humility in your daily life. The accompanying PDF includes some of the readings I've mentioned today, as well as some suggested scriptures for further meditation. I've also included some reflection questions that could lead you into deeper prayer about the virtue of humility. I hope you'll also join us next time when we take up the topic of gratitude in the fourth and final reflection of the Seeking Serenity series on September 14th. Thank you so much for joining me, and I hope to have you along next time. If you wish, I'd like to invite you to pray the serenity prayer with me as we end our time together today. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Amen. God bless you all.